Hello and welcome to Maven's Athenaeum, where you'll find magic hidden in plain sight. I'm your host, Maven, and I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Hi everyone and welcome back to Maven's Athenaeum. My name is Maven and we will be having Robert join us here shortly. In the interest of saving time, I'm going to make my Patreon announcements prior and tell you a little bit about what is going on on the screen. If you have Spotify or YouTube, you will get to see the time lapse of what I decided to redraw for the cover. Every episode, I try to create my rendition of the cover of the book. I took up digital drawing to get the skill set to make my own cover art when I was ready to restart my novel and to illustrate the inside. So that's kind of like my practice model is redoing other people's book covers. This month, I read The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. I wanted to read kind of like a spooky vampire book, and that's what I got. The cover is of some peaches, two peaches to be exact, one with a vampire bite on it that is dripping blood. I thought it was really cute because it like kind of plays into the story, but it doesn't give away too much. I have the hardcover version, so that's just the dust jacket. The actual hardcover is just like a light lime green, and it's got a little um, embossed stamp on it that says Mount Pleasant Library and then a date on it. Now onto my Patreon news. I have made all of the future book voting polls public for Patreon. This means that everyone everywhere can vote in the same place for the same books. Instead of me posting the same poll on all the platforms that I'm using, then returning to those platforms at the end of the voting time to count myself. I also made a fun little addition to how I decide what book I'll read for the month. A month or so ago, maybe more, my cats decided to knock my favorite cookie jar off the counter and it smashed. I glued it back together and tried to use that golden glue technique. Now, I thought that I fixed it, but it wasn't food grade material, so now I can't store cookies in it or any other porous food because it just comes out tasting like nail polish and glue. Instead, I cut up a bunch of strips, 150 strips, wrote all of the titles of my books on them, and now I have a fun little pumpkin bowl to choose from. I'm really excited and hopefully I can remember to record me like drawing from it for TikTok and Instagram. But for now, I'll always draw three. I'll make a public poll on my Patreon page. You guys will have about two weeks to vote and then the two that don't get chosen will be returned to the bowl. Make sure that you go check it out. I will have my Patreon linked in the episode notes. 
I am also putting a pause on the automatic mail. There wasn't enough responses to the poll on Patreon. I do have a lot on my plate right now with my wedding being under 300 days away. Everyone can still get their perks. I'm not going to deny them from you. You just kind of have to order them now. What you'll do is you'll go to Patreon. I really suggest getting their app, but the website's fine too. Then you'll find the most recent post that I make about that month's perks. When you comment, I'll get a notification and I'll start putting together your order. You don't have to pay anything that you aren't already paying and I will message you through the Patreon portal when I drop your mail off at the post office. This is also a great chance to, ch to cash in on those choose your own prints or custom orders. To my patrons, Nate, Danny, Allie, Robert, Trina, and Brooke, thank you so much for your support. It's really pushing me to do better each month. I know that you are all happy with the content that I've offered so far, but I just don't think that it's enough. I want to make sure that you are happy with your experience. So like I said, I like to have the video be a time lapse of my rendition of the book cover. I already described the book cover and its art, so now I'm going to kind of describe what's going on with mine. I got my idea for my book cover while I was brainstorming, which is really lucky for me. I don't normally have actual creative brainstorms. They're just usually like a way to get it going. I dreamt up this idea of like a generic housewife with the severed head of a vampire. So essentially what I was thinking was the book is supposed to be a guide to slaying vampires, um, which I thought was really cute. So I wanted to go with like, I don't know, other housewifey guides and how they're set up and they like I don't know I guess what I'm thinking of is like the perfect housewife's guide to keeping a house and they'd probably have just a generic housewife on the front with like a vacuum cleaner or something so I wanted a generic housewife but instead she's triumphantly stepping on the body of the dead vampire and holding up his head like a trophy of course in her other hand she's got her hand kind of like on her hip and I was gonna put a feather duster, but then I decided that like, I don't wanna do that. So I drew a hunting knife. It's actually used in the book and I thought it fit a little bit better. The bookmark is inspired by the quote from Slick. He thinks we are what we look like on the outside. Nice Southern ladies. Let me tell you something. There is nothing nice about Southern ladies. The sticker, I just had to do a swamp rat with like human flesh hanging out of its mouth because Grady Hendrix did a really good job of giving me an absolute paralyzing fear of swamp rats. Uh, you're not going to get me anywhere near a swamp rat now and if I see one I'm running for the hills. That's where I belong in the hills. And this is just me reminding you that patrons, you can still get your merch. I am just taking a break on the mass mailing to focus on my wedding planning. All you need to do is comment on the post that I make of the merch and I'll send you your package for that month. It's not going to expire. You can get October's merch in February if you want. Now I am going to get Robert and I am going to tell him about the book and then ask him if he still feels like reading it since he was one of the people that voted for it. 
Hopefully he'll have some questions. I'm just gonna jump into the trigger warnings and then I'm going to give you the best summary that I can. How does that sound? Okay. Okay. So first the trigger warnings, we start with racism that's displayed in the Six Mile community through Mrs. Green. There's a ton of misogyny starting with Carter to literally all women and I wish he would just get thrown in a lake. Classism, again with the community of Six Mile through Mrs. Green. Victim blaming with the community of Six Mile, Mrs. Green and Patty through Carter. A graphic rape. Cheating, but I don't actually know if it's considered cheating because there's this theory that Carter's cheating because of his long office hours and women that call their house. But they're in a time where phone books existed and I know of a lot of times where uh, there were men who had traveling jobs and they met people, networked, and other crazy people would look them up in the phone book. So I don't know if I can necessarily believe he's cheating. Um, and then Patty kind of like pretends to cheat. There's domestic violence. Grace is beaten really badly by her husband and James is really violent. There is a several suicides but i don't know if killing yourself to get away from a monster is really suicide or assisted murder there's substance abuse that's implied for all the children of six mile but patty has an overdose on her antipsychotics i still don't really know if i consider that substance abuse maybe just uh, criminal negligence of a controlled substance by carter there's blood and gore. Grady Hendrix did a really good job of describing the bloodiness of the book. It's very bloody and graphic in a lot of pages. There is body horror and eye trauma, which was a rough one for me. I don't even really remember where that was, but I do know that there was like a popped eyeball in one of the scenes. Non-consensual hospitalization, which I don't know if I can agree with either because even in a self-sabotaging state, I can differentiate a line based on, if I do this, am I going to end up dead or in the hospital? And taking an entire bottle of antipsychotic medicine to induce a seizure, I would assume I'm going to the hospital. Death of a child, lots of children die. Death of a family member, Anne Savage, Miss Mary, children, and Slick. There is a lynching in Miss Mary's flashback. There is a home invasion, two animal deaths, and sexual abuse of a minor. So this book was written by Grady Hendrix, who's written other titles like Horror Store about a haunted Ikea. Uh, he also wrote a book called My Best Friend's Exorcism, and I guess he's really known for like supernatural fiction stories. Uh, this was a dedication to his mom. He wanted to see what it would be like to pit his uh, sweet southern mom up against the typical Dracula. This got about 400 pages. It took me about four weeks to read, but realistically that was more like seven days with adjusted hours. So the dust cover is uh, an illustration of a couple peaches. One has a vampire bite in it that's dripping blood. It's pretty simple and it kind of matches the theme of the book. The hardcover is a light green with a Mount Pleasant library stamp, which I thought was kind of funny because that's where it takes place, is Mount Pleasant. All right, Robert, are you ready for the super, super long summary of a 400-page book? I almost said 400 pound. 
pleasantly surprised that I read it in 17 days. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you ready? Yeah. All right, so the book starts out in about the 1980s, where Patricia, the main character, is attending a typical Southern book club, which, oh no, it gets canceled because it's literally the fucking worst. <laughs> Patricia lives in this, like, old-fashioned neighborhood where nothing really happens and everybody knows everything. You know, the typical southern cul-de-sac. Yeah. So Patricia finds this, like, mis mismatched group of women and they start their own book club. Patricia befriends Kitty, Slick, Mary Ellen, and Grace. They're all different types of house moms. Grace is the only one whose son is out of the house and at college. Slick has two, like elementary age kids and kitty has is well a lot <laughs> well it's it's like uh you ever watch that 70s show yeah kitty and red are nicknames it's kind of the same thing everybody goes by a nickname okay. weird nicknames like slick but whatever i mean if it's a nickname then not really that's a typical nickname Alright, so they start their book club with, like, these dime store paperback things. They were, like, a big no-no in the 80s, apparently. Patty and the others notice that somebody moves in on the street, and they sort of start keeping tabs. One night after book club, Patty is attacked by one of her neighbors on her lawn and loses a body part. <laughs> Everybody thinks this is a one-off crazy event until more starts happening. The neighbor that attacked her was her very old neighbor and savage, and they learned that uh, the new stranger is her nephew come to take care of her. Unfortunately, after the attack, Anne Savage dies. So this gives Patricia this, like, door to approach the, the new nephew and do the neighborly thing to take heatable food over in a time of grief. So she does that. When she gets there, the door is, like, kind of open, so she lets herself in, because that's just the thing you do in the old village. And she embarrassingly assumes that the nephew has incapacitated himself and is in need of CPR. So she performs CPR as she's a retired nurse, and he wakes up, ushers her out of the house, and she's like, well, goddamn, I really thought you were dead, but I'm glad to see that you're alive. So the next day, uh, James returns the casserole dish, and it's like about dessert time, which is important because it's the same time he always shows up to the house, right when they open the, f the fridge for dessert, whatever it is. So... After he, like, keeps stopping by, he starts asking Patricia for favors. Like, hey, you know, my great aunt died and I need to put the bills in my name, but I can't find my wallet. It either got lost in the move or stolen. Can you come with me down to the bill place, to the, to the water factory, or <laughs> to set up a bill account? I just need you to vouch for me because that's how it works. Somebody vouches for you if you don't have your ID. It's all hunky-dory. That's how it works in the old village. So that's what Patricia does. She helps him set up a bank account and get all of his bills set up to the bank account. He finds, like, a mysterious bag of money in the crawl space and is like, Wow, the crazy old lady must not have believed in banks. Ooh. But, uh, yeah. So Patricia helps him put that in a bank. Patty's mother-in-law, Miss Mary, moves in with them permanently. And around this time, James Harris starts to come for book club. He gets more and more known around the neighborhood. 
but Miss Mary confronts him and tells him that she knows he's not who he says he is, that his name is not James Harris, that it is Hoyt Pickens, and that she knows what he did to her daddy. Uh huh. Everybody's like, Miss Mary, you don't know what you're talking about. Until one night, she escapes her caregiver, Miss Green, and attacks James Harris, stark naked, in the middle of a book club, screaming, I know what you did to my daddy. So after that seriously embarrassing night, Patricia gets another rough blow, and her mother in law dies. Not by conventional means, though. It's a really hot day, and Miss Mary's caretaker, Miss Green, starts to open up all the screen doors and put box fans in them because the AC's broken. This unfortunately lets in an entire horde of swamp rats that attack Miss Green, their dog Ragtag, and Miss Mary. And the only survivors are Mrs. Green! The rats kill Miss Mary and almost kill Ragtag. It was so terrible, so I do want to say uh, th- thank you, Grady Hendrix, for the newfound fear of fucking swamp rats. Um, did, did, was she able to escape the swamp rats? Or Who? Miss Green. I'll tell you. Oh, okay. So, after the attack... Patricia is like saying goodbye to Miss Mary and she gets all of her strength to, to be like, hey, I need to tell you who that guy is. He's not who he says he is. His name's Hoyt Pickens. So Hoyt Pickens came to town one day and started making offers of big money during the literal depression era. Miss Mary's dad was making like back porch whiskey and, okay. and selling it for extra money to put food on the table during the Depression. Right. When Hoyt Pickens came into town, he was like, hey, dude, I can take that down to the Caribbean for you and make extra money, like big money. And then you won't have to be, like, scraping bottom of the barrel to feed your kids. So, of course, it takes him up on the offer. This starts a huge cash flow into the town. So they're all starting to depend on Hoyt Pickens. Well, kids start going missing. So they're like, oh, well, what's going on? And... The town gets quieted because they're like, you know, it's the depression. Kids are running away. They don't want to listen to their parents. Kids are dying from starvation. It's just a thing. You know? Sign of the times. Until they start finding dead bodies. So they're like, okay, somebody's attacking our children. This is absolutely terrible. And somebody accuses Hoyt Pickens. So he skips town and doesn't give Miss Mary's dad his money. So the whole town goes broke. And they're all mad. And the only thing that they have is all of this whiskey that was made to be sold. That never got taken to be sold. So the whole town drinks itself stupid and ends up lynching a black man, saying that he's the one that killed all the kids. They bury him beneath the peach tree, and that's why Miss Mary won't let anybody eat the peaches, because they're grown of dead men's flesh. After the attack, Patricia goes to check on Miss Green and... You know, they obviously don't need a caretaker anymore because old lady's dead. So uh, Patricia takes one of her friends, Kitty, to go with her. And they find out that not only did Mrs. Green lose all of her jobs because she was put out of work for months, but there are kids in Six Mile who are going missing. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the neighborhood kids have already started making up a rhyme about a boo daddy. Who hides in the woods and kidnaps children to eat them. Uh-huh. Mrs. Green uh, says that, like, that's just a fairy tale. 
and instead it's a drug dealer who has a white van. So she gives Patricia and Kitty the partial plate to this white van that was driving through Six Mile, and Patricia knows where to get the other half of the plate. Her book club friend Grace has everything. Grace has nothing to do at home but clean and look out her windows, so she has the full plate of the white van. So she goes to Grace and asks for it. Grace stops her and says, you need to stop this. You think that something bad is happening here when nothing bad is happening here. Just leave it alone. Go clean your house. Patty says, I don't give a fuck about that. James Harris is a drug dealer and he's killing kids. So she goes back to her house and like gets stuff all together. She ends up going back out to Six Mile to see this sick kid that Mrs. Green mentioned. She meets Wanda Taylor, who tells her about her daughter Destiny and how she's been acting strange and moody and not listening to her. And this is not a typical, like, thing for this kid. This kid used to be really studious and listened to her mom, cared about her mom, did what her mom asked her to, and now she's, like, hiding in her room. Gotta hit puberty. (laughs) (laughs) So when they get there, uh, Patricia's like, oh, you know, I used to be a nurse. Just let me check on her. It's fine. They go to Destiny's room. She's not there. Mrs. Green and Wanda are like, oh, my God, it's the boo daddy. And they start locking everything down. Patricia is like, there's a kid in need. I have to go get the kid. So she goes out with a little Boy Scout flashlight into the woods by herself to go look for this drug dealer that's kidnapped a kid. So she's running through the woods, ends up finding the white van with James Harris attached to Destiny Destiny Taylor. So she's like, oh shit, okay, I found it. I found all my proof. She runs back to the house and is like, okay, the cops are supposed to be on their way. But when the cops get there, no van, no James Harris, no Destiny Taylor. The cops stay and like take statements and Patty's husband shows up and then Destiny Taylor shows up. And they're like, ah, see, she's not missing. This crazy black lady just misplaced her daughter. And they leave. So Carter pretends to back Patty up. And when the police dropped the case, they removed Destiny from her home. Patty feels like her whole world is falling apart and she is certain about what she saw, but she can't prove anything. In the meantime, James gets invited over for multiple desserts, game nights, book clubs, and he starts to become a family favorite, befriending Patty's youngest son, Blue. It's also called Carter Jr., but more nicknames so i think blue's pretty autistic he only likes talking about nazis and concentration camps and that is what james harris specializes in so he like latches on to blue's special interest she's convinced that he's something dangerous so she throws herself into vampire stories assuming that's the research that she needs Once she's finally convinced herself that James Harris is a vampire, she approaches her book club to get their help. They were all really helpful when Miss Mary died and when she was attacked, so she felt sure that they'd help her this time. Grace unfortunately disagrees and storms out. This rattles the rest of the book club and they're like, I don't know. But they come to this sort of compromise where they're like, all right, Patty, we'll help you with your dumb, crazy idea. If you can find James Harris's white van, because he doesn't have a white van anymore. He has a shiny new red car. So maybe the guy that bought his van is a drug dealer. It's definitely not James Harris, because they know him. Oh, yeah. So what happens is they set up their next book club to look like book club, but really they're planning on convincing their husbands that James Harris is a drug dealer. Hmm. 
They call the police to make a report, and Mary Ellen's husband is a detective in the area, so he promises, yeah, 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 I'll bring the rest of my squad down and we'll get, we'll get you guys' uh, statements. Mary Ellen's husband says that he's going to bring some other detectives over to get their statements. What ends up happening is Carter decides all the girls are crazy, cancels the detectives, but instead brings over James Harris. So all the men and James Harris sit there and gaslight the women into believing that no, none of this actually happened. Patty's fucking crazy. And James Harris deserves an apology. So Carter forces the women to apologize to James Harris. And when Patty won't do it, Grace is like, all right, I'm severely sorry. And then goes home and doesn't talk to anybody ever again. Carter invites James to uh, the book club which is not really his place, but he gets a like more formal invitation to come more regularly to the book club because he's only been like two or three times now. Uh, he makes this decision because he thinks that it is the best way to provide the neighborhood with peace and uh, that the women can all get to know him better so they won't make crazy accusations like this again. Carter is even more manipulative. He tells the kids that they don't have to listen to Patty because she's crazy. And then he tries to get her to take medication without a proper evaluation. He gives them to her to make her feel better. Technically, Carter's a psychiatrist. Technically, he should know what he's doing. Do I trust what this Mr. Carter, what's his name, Campbell? Carter Campbell has to prescribe to his wife that he's manipulating? No, I don't give a shit. It was not a proper evaluation. He just decided you're gonna take these pills. So Patricia still tries to get the rest of the book club to be on her side and tries to convince them the kids are in real danger because James Harris is not who he says he is. Everybody turns their back on him, on her. They all turn their backs on her, hang up on her. She goes to Grace's house to plead with her in person and Grace shows her that her husband beat the living shit out of her and says, please leave it alone. Uh, her book club friend, Grace. Her husband beat the shit out of her oh. after the whole police incident. So Patty goes home and she is so angry. She's like, fine, Carter, you want me to take these damn pills? I'll take the damn pills. She takes all the damn pills. Drops down, has a seizure on the floor and oh no, Blue's the one that finds her and calls 911. So now we skip about three years. Patricia got better. uh, Carter was able to invest money in Gracious K, which I guess is like a development company that one of the girl's husbands like invented. Patricia got plastic surgery to fix the scars from Ann Savage's attack, so now it doesn't look like she got attacked at all. No more missing body part. Everyone seems to be doing better. The book club has grown to like the whole town. Gracious K has made a lot of expansions and bigger homes. They even remodeled Six Mile. And there are less colored families in Six Mile and more developments there. Blue gets in trouble at school with a friend for spray painting a dog and chasing it around the schoolyard. Corey and Blue clearly still don't see Patricia as an authority figure. Blue gets fed up and tries to run away, but is thwarted when his dad says, Okay, yeah, sure, you can run away. But we're just gonna call cops, and that's gonna be on your record. So Blue's like, fine, whatever, goes back upstairs. Then he comes down and is like, So you're really gonna call cops if I run away? And they go, well, yeah, that's what we do. And he pulls all the phone cords out of his pockets and goes, How you gonna call cops without any phone cords? Ha ha! And runs out the garage door. (laughs) 
which I thought was really funny. Um, <laughs> really smart dude. Now you can call cops with no courts. Uh, so what he does is he ends up running away to James Harris's house, and Patricia still has this like really funny feeling about James Harris, even though she's been in a hospital, or she was in the hospital, and like he came and visited, and he's been taking care of the kids. Blue really likes him. He's a big family friend. So the next morning, Carter picks up Blue from James Harris's house, and then James calls Patty and kind of like wiggles back into her good graces. She hangs up, and she's dead sure that someone's in the house. She's like, somebody the fuck is else in here. I know it. But how could her dead mother-in-law be in her house? She sees Miss Mary's eyes, hair, and her shoes. Somebody runs behind the kitchen door, and it won't open. So she just leans her ear up against it. And Miss Mary says, you got to keep him away from your grandchildren. Or from my grandchildren. He's coming for the grandchildren. And Patty's like, what? No. I'm hearing ghosts. This is crazy. And then Miss Mary says one last thing. Mi er, Mrs. Green has my picture. So Patty's like, okay, all right. I'll go see Mrs. Green. Which she does. She learns that most of the kids in Six Mile either died, got lost, or were moved away by their parents so that they could be safe. All the white women gave up on Six Mile, and it literally killed people. Mrs. Green is not happy at all, but she gives Patty the picture that she kept. She's very adamant that she didn't fucking steal it, that it was just in her hands when the rats attacked, and it, she must have, like, put it in her pocket. So she gives Patty the picture, and then this folder of stuff that she's collected on James Harris, like his van, his car, his storage unit, his house, his great-aunt dying, his great-aunt's cleaner going missing, um, his involvement with the children in Six Mile, because, like, he had been there. Um, and like all of these other suspicious <coughs> stuff. Patty realizes that he is definitely a killer and that all of his prey in Six Mile is gone. So where is he going to start hunting next? Her neighborhood. So she goes back to her book club friends and she goes to Slick because she's the only one that doesn't think Patty's crazy. Slick agrees, okay, I'll come help you. Mrs. Green owns a like her own cleaning company now. She says, I clean James Harris's house on Saturdays. He's out of town this weekend. Y'all are going to come over and you're going to sneak through his house while I clean. Patty says, okay. I'm just going to get one more hand to help us. So she calls Slick. Slick says, okay. They're supposed to go over the next morning, but Slick doesn't show. So Patty ends up searching the house all by herself. She can't find anything. It's basically like nobody lives here. It's that very new, modern crap where everybody's minimalist. Everything is put away. <coughs> Nothing's out of place. And of course, like, there's a cleaning company there, so nothing looks dirty. She's about to give up until she finds a very well-hidden attic door. So she pulls it open. She goes into this attic that is disgusting. Dead cockroaches, mice turds, moldy, piss-covered clothes. It's great. Wonderful thing. In the back, she finds three suitcases, and one of them is heavier than the others. Inside is a trash bag wrapped body of the missing cleaning lady that nobody's found for like 20 years. Not 20 years, 10. So she tries to take the suitcase out of the attic, and this is when James Harris comes home. 
So she begs the other cleaning lady to shut the attic door, and she gets shut up in the attic. Cleaning ladies leave. She's stuck in the attic. It smells like mouse droppings, and she can feel bugs crawling around. And then somebody comes up into the attic. It's James Harris. She decides to hide in a pile of multi-clothes. James Harris almost finds her, but doesn't. Then he leaves for some godforsaken reason, and her friend Kitty comes to save her. It's absolutely disgusting. So after they get out of the attic, she goes home. She's like, I gotta get my kids inside. This is terrifying. There's definitely a vampire here. Her kids come home. And she's like, all right, well, Slick bailed on me. That sucks. I really thought that I could trust her. And kind of like just writes it off. The next day is Halloween. And she gets a call around trick-or-treating time. And all that she hears on the other line is, I didn't say a word. The whole time. It takes a while, and then Patty realizes it's Slick. Why did Slick call her, and why is Slick telling her just this one thing? that She didn't make a sound. So Patty knows that something's wrong, races over there, finds Slick crumpled up in her bathtub, fully clothed, sobbing. Patty's a, a nurse, or used to be, so she picks her friend up, gets her like all undressed and cleaned up, and tucks her back into bed, and Slick finally tells her, that James Harris broke into her house and raped her in her hallway and she could feel something inside of her leeching her energy away. So Patty's like, all right, if you're not better by Monday, we'll take you to the hospital. She does not get better by Monday. So they go to the hospital. The doctors don't know what's wrong with her. So they put her in like a contained unit where everybody has to wear like paper gowns and masks and hairnets. Uh, while she's there, they sort of reconnect and go back to the original book club roots where they're reading like the the scary novels and like the serial killer stuff. They have one more book club and it gets held in Slick's hospital room, but then James Harris stops by, which kind of sets the whole room off because everybody kind of knows. Kitty saw the dead body, Patty saw the dead body, Slick was raped by him, and everybody else is kind of like trying to get away from him. But Patty takes a ride home with him to leave evidence in his car for the cops. He kind of makes some insinuations that Patty's not being taken care of by her husband and that she would be better off with somebody else. Yeah. They have <coughs> one more meeting with slick in her hospital room where they say it's a book club meeting to get grace to come back grace doesn't want to stay in the room with patty because they're still not friends and once they start talking about james harris being a vampire grace is like definitely had enough of this but then slick uh comes clean and tells everybody what james what james harris did and they all believe her except for grace grace says she's absolutely fed up with it and leaves so Kitty, Mary Ellen, and Mrs. Green all come up with a plan to kill James Harris. They decide that from all of the vampire books, there is enough that all of them agree on. They're just going to do that. So Patty goes home. She's like, oh, how am I going to get to James Harris's house? How, how is this going to work? Because she has to offer herself to him. They're like, okay, I don't know how to do this. Somebody broke into Patricia's house. 
So she's searching the house to see where the intruder is. And oh no, James Harris is feeding on Corey, her oldest daughter. She kicks a snot out of him, and while he's disoriented from, like, unlatching from the feeding, he is, she sees that he's, like, really vulnerable, because he's all hunched over and confused and off balance. But then it only takes a couple minutes for him to, like, snap back to it, and then he displays his, like, huge show of force, like, choking her up against the wall, almost killing her, crushing her windpipe. So she decides this is how it's going to have to happen. I'm going to have to go over there and, like, literally offer myself to him. So she calls the girls and tells them that's what's, that's what's up. The next day, she gets all dressed up, and she goes over to James Harris's house and is like, Take me instead of my daughter. He's like, all right, this is bullshit. You know, I'm just going to drink you to death, and then I'm going to go after your kids. She says, okay, I understand, and lets him start feeding on her. This is when Kitty, Mary Ellen, and Mrs. Green storm the house, and you think it's going to be something really great, until Mrs. Green and Mary Ellen lose their shit, piss their pants, and literally don't help at all. Kitty beats the shit out of him with a baseball bat until it breaks, and he stops feeding, but then now he's focused on the other three people in the house that he can definitely kill. So it kind of turns into like a really rough melee where they're definitely not winning, until they get him in the bathtub or in the bathroom and kitty uses her full body weight to like cut his head off with a hunting knife he's decapitated but not dead his body's still moving and his head is still talking to them he's degrading them telling them about how like they're not gonna win and he's gonna be back and all of this like really terrifying stuff and how like him being dead is going to destroy their life, and they just they just stop listening to him, and they get out a little bone saw and start cutting him up at all of his joints and putting him in trash bags. So at the end of the night, Patty is incapacitated because she lost too much blood. James Harris is chopped up into little bloody pieces in trash bags that are wiggling around in his entryway. And they're like, well, we were going to go uh, cremate him, but we can't now. Too much time has passed, and we can't hand the cremation guy a box of wiggling body parts. What are we supposed to do now? Uh-oh, Grace comes to save the day now, and she's like, I have a family mausoleum. We're just gonna go stick him in me and my husband's spot in the mausoleum. They're like, are you sure? And she's like, well, Jesus Christ, Mary Ellen. Uh, am I dying tomorrow? I think we have some time to figure this out. And then Grace and Mrs. Green clean the entire house. There's no more blood anywhere. And Patty goes home with her kids. She asks Carter for a divorce. And he tries one more little manipulative thing. Now kids, I pay for the cars and the house. So it might not be that much fun to go live with your mother, considering she doesn't have a job or any marketable skills. And they go, Dad, you're never home. Mom saved us from a vampire. And they pick Patty. All right. Do you still feel like reading this book? It's definitely interesting. <clears throat> so, when when did they decide that he was a vampire instead of a murderous, killing drug dealer? Because so I- like, as soon as he went into the fucking attic, they're like, "Oh, vampire!" I'm all like. 
Okay. <laughs> so, Caddy goes to see Mrs. Green to get the photo back. Uh-huh. And gets the folder of information from Mrs. Green. Okay. All of that stuff is just like, hey, James Harris is a bad dude. Patty's uh-huh. the only one that thinks he's a vampire until she goes to Slick. When she goes to Slick, they're like, yeah, he's definitely got to be a vampire. Oh, okay. And then when they find Francine's body all crumpled up in the suitcase, or her and Kitty do, they're like, okay, well, he's definitely killing people. That's for sure. Patty comes to the conclusion that he's a vampire because he was, like, literally feeding on Destiny Taylor when she found him in the van. And she says it's something, like retracted back into his mouth and something in his throat moved from his throat to his stomach and she watched it move that was disgusting uh did they ever figure out what was inside slick um i don't think they come out and say what it was my assumption is that since he raped her and she goes into full detail about it, too. Oh. She, like, recounts the entire thing. Um, he finished inside her. So I'm assuming that either he got her pregnant uh-huh. with a vampire baby or um, somehow infected her with vampirism. And when she died from being sick, she would, like, wake up as a vampire, like how Bella did. Uh, when she knows that she's not going to survive, like she's in the hospital and she's kind of like, I don't think I'm going to make it out of this. She changes her will so that so that she gets cremated. Uh-huh. So like, she doesn't come back as a vampire. Uh-huh. But those are my guesses. That it's either like his way of turning people into vampires or like a vampiric fetus. Okay. Fair enough. <clears throat> um they ever like do anything with the fucking like they, you said you took him to the mausoleum did they ever figure out what like a permanent fix to this or does it just end with him being in the mausoleum it ends like a couple years later uh-huh. the last chapter carter's bankrupt because james harris had all of the money uh-huh. from gracious k the um development company that literally everybody's family had bought into. So Carter's bankrupt. He's Mm -hmm. begging Patty for custody. Uh Patty got her divorce. Uh, I think Corey's either going to college or getting ready for college. And they go to the cemetery to visit Miss Mary and Savage Slick. And then she stops at the Kavanaugh mausoleum and is just like, hmm to think there's hundreds of trash bags in here just wiggling around trying to find a way to escape hmm. yeah uh, I noticed how you said um, a lot of times I mean Carter does seem like a little bit of an asshole yeah um but like to any sane person <laughs> listening to this lady like i think she's fucking crazy too <laughs> i don't know when i was reading it even though it's from patty's perspective uh-huh. i was like i can see how like 
like this should have played out better. Uh huh. Because she did have like some good evidence that like he was at least bad and shouldn't be trusted to be in their houses alone okay. with their kids. Mm-hmm. But Carter's just like, mm, it's my wife, guys. <laughs> She's so crazy. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, right, fair enough. Uh, let's see. Do I have any other questions? I know, I got more. Any questions? So why does she assume that it's, uh, besides her mother, like, dying? Because, like, it, she didn't seem to, like, trust her mother at first. She thought her mother was, like, crazy that it, <laughs> her it wasn't. Her Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... She, she was chalking it up to seeing her own woman. Right. Why does she assume it after she's dead that it's James Carter? James Harrison. Yeah. So it's it's just like the coincidences I think that starts to lead her to James Harris. Uh-huh. That like okay, Miss Mary could, uh, like accuses him of being this time traveler, this guy <clears throat> from the past, uh-huh. which is weird, but you know that happens with people who have like. Alzheimer's and uh, other degenerative brain diseases they mix people up or they only remember things from when they were little yeah but right after that a pack of rats attacks and kills Miss Mary that's very weird and then Patricia learns that vampires can control animals and she's like wow hmm so it's weirder <laughs> that a, a pack of swamp rats come to kill her rather than a person controlling swamp rats to come kill her. Sorry. <laughs> I know it's, it's a fictional book. But. <laughs> I mean, I will agree with uh, Carter and Grace on this. That mm-hmm. maybe they read too many scary books, but it really did help out in the end. Because, like, she wasn't wrong. No. Right. She just, like, didn't go about it the right way. Right. Uh, Did they put a stake through his heart? So, Miss Mary told Patricia, with the whole Hoyt Pickens story, Uh that they needed to put uh, tenpenny nails through his eyes, his mouth, his ears and his heart. Uh-huh. Um, Mrs. Green and Patricia went through all of her vampire books uh-huh. to see what they all agreed on. Yeah. And staking the heart was not agreed on. Oh. So they did not do that, I don't think. They decapitated him and cut him into little pieces. So the one thing, the one thing <laughs> that is unified in almost all all of vampire lore. Except it wasn't. Not it by, is. Not by not in Patricia's books. Well, her books are stupid. She didn't have a lot of access to a plethora of books, but she did spend two hundred and forty-two dollars on vampire books. It does say that in the book. She went and bought all the vampire books she could she could get her hands on, and when she checked out, the guy asked, "Wow, you must really be into vampires," and she said, "Uh huh." And she wondered how she was going to explain her $252 check to Carter. <coughs> and all I could think was, Hunter would probably go, Wow. You must have really held back, didn't you? 
probably. <laughs> it's you and books. Anyway. <laughs> um, but no, like, and, like, if you look at actual, like, not at the book, but actual lore, it's almost unified. Burning body and, uh, staking the heart. Cut, uh, fucking decapitating them most of the t- most in lore is a temporary fix which kind of seems like what happened if he's like still writhing around in yeah. garbage bags but like their idea to cremate him seems like a good idea yeah they just, just never did it <laughs> well i mean they're right you can't take bags of wiggling body parts to the crematorium and go after dark <laughs> You still have to give the body parts to a crematorium worker. Uh, knock out the security guard. Their plan was really good, though. Um, <coughs> I think it was... I don't remember. One of the book club's girls' husbands was friends with the guy that owned the funeral home. And what they do was burn off uh, bio-waste. Mm-hmm. So, like, stuff left over from, like, surgery. Mm-hmm. They were gonna go during that, but they missed it. They had it planned for like this big football night where everybody was gonna be glued to their TVs. And there wasn't another big football night. They can't the take wiggling. <laughs> can't take wiggling body parts in crematorium. I'm just saying you, I you think can it's... probably go while no one's there. Or you know, my thought. They have to burn their fields for replanting. It's a controlled burn. Just find somebody that doesn't really give a shit. Yeah, that or, um, I don't know, fucking campfire, woods. They're in the south. It's not terribly weird. Hey, y'all, come out for a bonfire. We're gonna roast marshmallows over James Harris. <laughs> I'm not saying invite the whole fucking back. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> oh, we're friends, we're gonna go camping, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something simple. Yeah, like, it, you don't have to go to a fucking <laughs> crematorium. I do wonder if he's gonna write more. I think he wrote it in 2020. So, okay. like, maybe he left it open-ended so that he could do something else with it. Like, <gasps> James Harris back from the dead. They go into the crypt and there's no body parts. Where did he go? Wow. One of his hands is missing in the Adams Family theme song plays. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how the fucking what is it? Fucking thing. His name's Thing. Is it the thing? Mm-hmm. His name is Thing. What's the hairy one then? Oh no, that's it. Uncle. Cousin it. Cousin it. Mm-hmm. Oh okay. You talking about the bald one, Uncle Fester? Uh, no, I was talking about Cousin. Uncle it. Fester was yeah. Anyways, um, I don't know, yeah, pretty cool. Would you still read it? I don't know. Do any of those things bother you? Like, I had a really hard time in the first couple of chapters, and Savage, like, rips open raccoon body parts and starts eating the dead raccoons, and I was like, Huh, 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 huh. Okay, 
And then I keep reading, and I was like, all right, well, I guess I don't get to have reading snack time today. <laughs> oh, God. No, none of it really bothers me. Um, <clears throat> most books and movies I just chop up to being fictional, and I don't really care on what happens within them. I think it's just my sensitive nature. I empathize with, never wanted to empathize with a woman who was eating raccoons. Who was eating raccoons? The neighbor, Anne Savage, who attacks Patty. Oh. She ripped open some raccoons, was eating them, and then attacks Patty. Oh yeah, which body part did she fucking... Anne Savage ripped off her ear. <laughs> and it, I don't, it's not even Anne Savage's fault. What happened, I mean, well, yeah, technically it is her fault, but, like, if someone with rabies uh-huh. attacks somebody who does not have rabies and they are uh-huh. fighting, almost everybody knows that you do not pull them off of each other uh-huh. because if that person bit the other person, uh-huh. that's going to create an open wound that will help the rabies spread. Uh-huh. What you do is you wait for them to like come up for air, like pinch their nose or something, and just try and create an opportunity where they let go naturally. But instead, Carter rips Anne Savage off of Patty, and that tears off her ear. Uh-huh. So like if Carter hadn't have been such a control freak, she might have an earlobe. Uh, I didn't know the fucking... I would try to fucking pull him off too. Not just, you know, because I'm a fucking, like, want to control the situation because I want to fucking get the fucking motherfucker off my wife. Okay. <laughs> like... So if somebody is attacking a significant other... Uh-huh. And they have their mouth latched onto them, they have oh, to breathe through something. Oh, okay. So yeah. just reach down, like, across their skull like this, plug their nose, and they'll, they'll try and hold on for, like, another three minutes because they're fighting and they don't give a shit. But then when their brain finally knocks some sense into them, they'll go, <gasps> and you can get your wife back. Okay. <laughs> I, I, okay, yeah. At that point, yeah, I, okay, I understand now. I thought you meant, like, trying to pull them off. And then, like, they're all like, no, I don't want to get off. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> no. And then bites off the ear like that. But, okay, I, I understand now. I, I would probably more try to, like, unhinge the jaws, but... So you still might want to read the book? Yeah. Hey, it sounds interesting. Well, what else do you want to know about it? I, I, I think I asked all the questions that I really had. Will kittens die? Anne said book. No, I thought Ragtag was going to die. The, the dog. dog. Yeah. Cause he got beat up pretty bad and like Mrs. Green like full ass abandons him. Like a couple rats come in the house and she's like ick and like ragtag kind of goes up and starts barking at it and like telling it to fuck off. And then the rat attacks the dog. Uh-huh. Right. And then more rats come in and they start crawling up Mrs. Green. So Mrs. Green like gets on a chair and she's using a broom to bat them away from Miss Mary but there's just too many rats. And then she looks over and ragtag's like gone. Uh-huh. Where he was is flat. It's just uh-huh. a bunch of rats. And then when Patricia comes home, he's, like, part of the rug. And they take him to the vet, and he ends up, like, living. Huh. But I was, like, for sure he was gonna die. Jesus. He does die in the book, but, like, a natural death. Oh, okay. Old, old boy with a tumor in his brain and barking at the corner. <clears throat> I was 
Um, so, right, uh, did she, so, did they just not attack Miss Green, or, like... I think they were attacking Mrs. Green. Um, they were just going for Miss Mary more. Okay, so <clears throat> she, once they killed off Miss Mary, they all ran away, they didn't care about Miss Green anymore. So the chapter ends with Mrs. Green locking herself in the private bathroom. Oh, okay. So she did get away from them. No. She... They crawled through the toilet. And attacked her in the bathroom. It was terrifying. The whole... He did such a good job of terrifying the fuck out of me. But, like, Mrs. Green is just sitting there, like, fanning herself. And they're like... Hanging out, and then my tags are sparking, and they're like, what the fuck? Oh, there's a rat. Okay. It comes through the screen door. What the fuck? More start coming through and, like, hanging out at the door. Okay. And, and then Ragtag is like, okay, get out of my house. And then the rat's like, how about fuck you, bitch? And starts attacking the dog. <clears throat> and it just escalates from there. And I climb up the legs and start biting people. And I thought Mrs. Green would be fine in the bathroom. But she's definitely not. Right. She's like, oh, there's there's a sloshing, and I don't know what that is. So she goes a little mousy nose, and then and she screams, trips, falls into the, the bathtub shower area. So how did how how did she not? Did they just? It just Chapter ends yeah. with them coming comes, through the toilet. Uh huh. It comes back to like. Patty narrating, like, you know, when we came home, it was a mess. The garage room was soiled with rat droppings, dead bodies of, like, rats. Ragtag was, like, imprinted into the carpet, and they thought he was dead. Miss Mary was, like, breathing really heavily and bleeding in a ton of spots and, like, not doing well. And Mrs. Green was in the bathtub, just, <laughs> you know, having a panic attack. Alright. So I assume... That they were recalled by their demonic master. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we shall never know what the fuck in. I suppose there was a couple plot holes like that that I was like, hmm, I wonder. I wonder what happened. I wonder. <clears throat> um. So did they? He wiped the children's memories, like the the one mofo, the. Uh, first one patty she caught uh destiny yeah so did okay. he just wipe her memory or like so mrs green tells patty about what had been happening with the kids at six mile uh-huh. uh the first kid you know was starting to look really sick and not listening like falling asleep wherever wouldn't eat stuff said that it tasted terrible and then one day he just walked out in front of a bus on purpose died uh. and then his cousin went to go like find answers and the same thing started happening to him and he either like slit his wrists or hung himself destiny <clears throat> taylor hung herself with dental floss at her foster home so <clears throat> so these kids aren't going missing 
They're killing them. Not those three. Those oh, three okay. killed themselves. There's other kids in that span of time, like, where there's that three-year jump mm -hmm. that, like, just go missing. Mm -hmm. There, Patty, like, talks about, like, seeing stuff in the paper and there being clippings in Mrs. Green's folder that she gives to her. Um, so what happens with Destiny Taylor is Patty finds him feeding on her. Um, he feeds through the inner thigh. So it's very hypersexualized, which I didn't really appreciate. I don't know why you'd go for the inner thigh, but whatever. So like an inner thigh is a sensitive region for young women. And he explains it to Patty when she finds him with Corey that he's just filtering his blood. He has a condition. His blood doesn't do anything for him, so he has to filter somebody with good blood, filter his blood through their system to make his blood good again. Obviously, this is a vampire lie. He is just drinking blood, but he tells Patty that it actually feels good for his victims, and that's why they come back and ask him to help him more. Because the feeling is intoxicating, and since Patty lets James feed on her, <coughs> she gets to kind of describe what it was like, and she says that since it, it only happened to her the one time, she doesn't really remember, but she can see how people would be addicted to it because there was a very euphoric feeling. Mm. So... I don't know if it would be more like hypnotism or closer to like an opiate addiction okay. that you know you get introduced to something mm -hmm. you like it and then you're really empty and sad when you're going through withdrawals right that's fair all right and that makes sense with like the whole um, the moodiness and not eating loss of appetite right. Um, aversion to harsh lights. Right. Sunlight. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Alrighty. No. No more questions? No more questions. You think you know everything about this book? You <laughs> to know about it without reading it? Uh, everything that I wanted to know, yes. There isn't any. This is a really good book. There's, um... So the author breaks it up into chapter, like, sections. So there's chapters within sections. Right. And I think the sections are, like, years. They're little black title pages with the names of the books that they're reading in the book club. That's kind of cool. Right? Alright, well that looks like everything that we had time for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked today's content, please give us a like, a comment, and maybe a follow or a subscribe. I'm on Patreon, Twitter, and Instagram at The Happiest Pumpkin. If you have any recommendations, please submit them via Patreon or emailing me at mavenpage at gmail.com. 
That is M-A-E-V-Y-N-P-A-I-G-E at gmail.com. Thank you so much, and I hope you find some time to read.